Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for pure sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Amanda Schiavo, the finance editor for Health Leaders, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Nicholas Morse, the interim CFO for Nadora Healthcare, a spine center and pain management care provider. Today, we'll be discussing the ever-evolving healthcare workforce, where hospitals and health systems should be making investments when it comes to their employees, and the best attraction and retention solutions organizations should be utilizing. Thanks for joining us today, Nicholas. Why don't you start by telling us about your responsibilities as interim CFO with Pandora? Yeah, thanks for having me, Amanda. Um, you know, my responsibilities as the interim CFO at Nadora Healthcare um, are very similar to what a traditional CFO does. Um, I oversee the finances of the company, um, look at strategic um, capital deployments, and then also um, internal usage of uh, uh, the money that we have inside of our company, not from an HR standpoint, but from a kind of X's and O's. Uh, moving pieces on the board standpoint. So I've been doing this uh, for about the past two years, um, which um, obviously was interesting considering the economic season that we've all gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, It was quite the the learning experience. And um, when I saw an opportunity to be on this podcast, I certainly wanted to reach out. So I appreciate you having me today. Oh, absolutely. And we appreciate you joining us. So where should hospitals and health systems be making the biggest investments when it comes to their workforce? Um, I, you know, I'd say that's uh, probably twofold. One is um, obviously you want to keep up with uh, inflation. I know that's a hot topic right now, but uh, you know, consumer purchasing right now, um, the CPI uh, has to do with how much really, how much can your employees buy with what they make, right? Very, very simple understanding of that term. And if they're doing the same amount of work, but their purchasing power goes down, um, you want to make sure to try to stay in line with that. So the first thing I would say is just straighten their paychecks. Um, mm-hmm. people love pizza parties, people love new gear, people love pens and hats and swag and all that stuff. Um, but really it, it kind of comes down to, this is an old political adage. Um, you know, people make decisions at the dinner table, especially with their mm-hmm. finances. And if you're going to retain good employees, if you're going to have, um, a place where you want to invest, you want to invest in your employees and their paychecks. It is that simple. Don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it costs them you know, $7 for a gallon of milk and it used to cost them $5, do what you can in terms of how you deploy your capital with raises or bonuses or um, just any way that you can work them through gift cards, um, anything you can do to show them that they're appreciated and that you're not asking them to pinch pennies and and kind of be on the receiving end of making it work for your company. Um, That's really big. Um, So the first part of, I'd say, you know, where should hospitals and health systems make investments to the workforce, it's in the paycheck. Um, the second thing is, and this is a hard one just because um, it's so expensive and um, to staff employees and um, everyone in healthcare is a professional, even down to an MA, they've gone through some sort of uh, training um, or certification to be able to work in your facility, right? And so mm-hmm. everyone's um, highly trained, which means they demand a higher wage. Um, redundancy, though, is extremely important. Um, you, you shouldn't have three or four shifts of people for the day shift, um, but you should certainly think about how you right-size your staff so that um, your nurses, your doctors, your CNAs, MAs, PAs, all the acronyms that we all know 
aren't feeling burned out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely important to make sure that um, if you need three people to facilitate great patient care, um, and you want to have five or six, just so that um, when you know Mr. and Mrs. Smith needs a day off or mm-hmm. they get sick, uh, you're not stressing the system or forcing other people to do more work than really they can mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. uh, stand because it's been, it's been a tough two years for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I'd say those are the two things that I think hospitals and health systems should invest uh, into um, people's paychecks and mm-hmm. making sure that in terms of staffing, they're right-sized. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Especially when you were when you were saying about the paychecks, because, um, you know, like you said, those those perks and that swag is nice. But at the end of the day, people are going to go uh, to the companies that are going to be uh, enabling them to put food on the table. Totally agree. You know, people, uh, you can't pay for ballet or golf lessons or, um, you know, a field trip day for your kid with a really neat hat. Mm-hmm. You need money. Mm-hmm. And so you want to you want to infuse that into your employees so they say I want to be here mm-hmm. um, I enjoy working here because being employed at Adora allows me to put my kid in you know PB football or mm-hmm. put my daughter in ballet or cross country or mm-hmm. golf or whatever she enjoys there's no substitution for that it costs mm-hmm. money to do those things and so uh, I consider that a large investment in making sure that um, our employees are paid well mm-hmm. uh, not just competitively we actually, as an ambulatory surgical center company, pay hospital rates uh, mm. because we want the best people uh, in our company and we want them to uh, enjoy being here and not be worried about, do I need to pick up an additional shift? Do I need to get a second job? Do I need a door dash or any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, we want them focused on work and when they go home, uh, they can de-stress, mm-hmm. focus on their family and their loved ones and uh, be ready to come back the next day. Excellent, absolutely, definitely. Um, so how has the nursing shortage and the great res- resignation overall impacted, uh, Nadora healthcare? You know, I gotta say, uh, Amanda, we're pretty fortunate. This did not impact us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as uh, ASC, we have the ability to uh, plan for every procedure that comes through the door. And so by paying our employees, right. By being, um, uh, a healthcare provider that does not have to catch things coming through the door like a hospital um, does. We really were not impacted by mm-hmm. the nursing shortage. We actually saw an influx of applicants mm-hmm. um, to work as MAs, CNAs, nurses, uh, you know, PAs, you name it, mm-hmm. um, at Adorant Healthcare. Um, I, I think the nursing shortage had to do, obviously, with a lift in volume of patients being um, needed f- um, for COVID care or... Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone knows the emergency room is the most overutilized uh, department in a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, almost too much. But even when people didn't have COVID and they had symptoms or they were getting sick, they would go into the ER, right? It, it, it's just the psychology of the human saying, I need care and my PCP is closed and it's 9 p.m. on a Saturday night. Um, I got to go in. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of that. But at Medora, we didn't really experience that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say we prepared well, mm-hmm. you know, for this. We knew the type of procedures we were doing, spine, mm-hmm. orthopedic, total joints, podiatry, cosmetic, and we were able to keep the exact amount of people on staff that we needed mm-hmm. to run the ORs we have, to take care of the patients overnight when they were recovering, and um, I, I have to say, I'm sorry to be a bummer on this one, but the nursing shortage and great resignation mm-hmm. um, had 
no effect on the door to healthcare. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And then, um, so we touched a little bit on this when you talked about investing in the paychecks. And, and since, you know, you guys didn't really have that impact from the great resignation and the nursing shortage, how has the organization managed to attract, but more importantly, retain its workforce? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, paying people well is important. Um, even starting salaries for incoming nurses, um, we made sure to pay, like I said, competitive hospital rates, even though we're an ASC. So when it comes to attracting and retaining its workforce, um, attracting's almost easier, I think, because if someone's looking for a job, they've already kind of made up their mind that, okay, it's not working here, or um, I wish... Maybe it's just time for a change of scenery or, or something mm-hmm. about my current work environment um, isn't meshing with my life and I'm looking for a change. So when you're recruiting new people, you're able to say, hey, here are, here's our compensation package. Here are your hours. Here's how much you make. Here's who you work with. You know, do you want to do this? It's really mm-hmm. kind of a five-part uh, problem. And if they choose to come over to you, great. You do the paperwork, bring them in, you get them trained. In about six to nine months, they're you know they're capable of working in all the departments at our company, mm-hmm. and um, they move forward. Um, we really don't see a lot of turnover there, um, but retaining the workforce is actually a, a difficult part. Mm-hmm. I think um, America is so wealthy as a country, and um, there are healthcare providers for any trained professional who's a clinician that they can jump. From employer to employer to employer, even in, you know, you don't have to be in a large metro area. You could probably find twenty or thirty different employer employees that um, employers that you can work for um, if you have your, you know, nursing uh, mm-hmm. certification. And so, retaining the workforce is much more difficult. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's not pizza parties. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we have those, it's not for mm-hmm. in the morning. It is. Do they like the work they do? Mm-hmm. Do they? enjoy the people they work with are they treated well at work so these are professionals you know once they're trained we, we let them do the work we stay out of their hair mm-hmm. and are they compensated um, correctly um, with where they live so in northern Colorado if it costs like I said uh, $7 for a, a gallon of milk um, we want to make sure that they can afford to live up here um, one of the worst things I think when it comes to retaining workforce is if people can't afford to live in the towns that they work in. And uh, we take all of that very seriously. Mm-hmm. So retaining the workforce, um, for us, it comes down to the, kind of those those four things. Do they like what they do? Do they enjoy who they work with? Do they want to be here? And then are they being compensated correctly? Mm-hmm. And if you kind of have that four-piece puzzle in place for employee retention, because new employees go through a different phase, you know, everything's honeymoon at the beginning mm-hmm. um, then they begin to understand the expectations in the workforce then kind of that third phase about like I said after the six to nine months of training comes in um, they determine if they want to be here or not but most of the time they stay with us um, but for the people who've been here for a few years which we've had uh, great employee retention over the I'd say past nine or ten years that we've been mm-hmm. open totally different psychology when it comes to if they want to stay here every day they're evaluating can I get a better offer is the quality of life better or worse? If I go down the street to the hospital, am I going to make more or less? Am I going to have more or less time with my family? All of that goes into employee retention. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure to check every single box when it comes to making sure we're retaining our employees because you 
know, if someone needs a raise of two, three, four bucks an hour, it is more affordable to have that highly trained, highly experienced employee get the raise that they're asking for than it is to bring in a new employee. As great as new employees mm-hmm. are, they are way more expensive to train, mm-hmm. invest, get them on board than it is to, you know, take that charge nurse and keep her happy and keep her here. So, um, you know, I, I kind of covered a lot of ground there, but um, no one individual is, you know, a perfect system. There's no automation mm-hmm. to keeping people on your floors happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a composite of how their life is going and does work fit into their life? Mm-hmm. Do they enjoy being here? Um, and do they feel a sense of achievement mm-hmm. um, out of it? So uh, I'll pause there because I know I covered a lot of ground, but mm-hmm. um, it's really a, a bifurcated answer because you're dealing with different people mm-hmm. uh, in different stages of their employment and they think differently as they're going through those those phases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like there's been a shift in the mindset. Um, it used to be that employees should be grateful for having a job and, and just kind of put their heads down and do the work. And now that mindset seems to have shifted to where the employer is the grateful one and needs to make serious effort in retaining and attracting those employees. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you should always be looking around the corner, right? Like if, if you're, for us, if we you know we're gonna um, plan for, goodness, um, I don't know, 10 surgeries a day, mm-hmm. but in two weeks we're gonna have 15 surgeries on that one day. You know, can your employees handle that? Do they, do they wanna handle it? First of all, um, you know, they're trained professionals. They they can quit at any time, and they can go down the street and be employed within a day. Mm-hmm. No one in healthcare is unemployable. Mm-hmm. It's really a unique sector where we have um, kind of those dueling interests. Where this person, like I said, I'm a nurse or I'm a PA. I went to school for two, four, six, eight years, and there's no way I'm not going to be employed tomorrow anywhere if I choose to leave here. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, and then um, the second part of that is, um, you know, with, I want to say the nursing shortage or, or the challenge, but um, and I don't even know if the pandemic has shifted. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the companies that you're seeing be successful, not close down, not have people working 80 hours a week in a field where they should be working 40 or 50 a week. Mm-hmm. I think they've treated people right all along. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you treat people po- poorly, I think the pandemic maybe was enlightening for employees to say, what am I doing here? Why am I wasting my time? I make, you know, 50, 60 bucks an hour. I can go make 70 bucks an hour down the street and be treated better. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it takes external uh, influences to, to cause us as humans to rethink our situation. And so um, for some for some companies, yes, um, they absolutely needed a culture shock and they needed to wake up and say, whoa, I got to start treating my engineers better because otherwise we're not going to have anyone to do maintenance at the the hospital. Um, But for, I think, companies like ours, and there are thousands of great health care providers out there who treat their people perfect, um, like we strive to do, um, I think this was a a period in healthcare where those providers were um, rewarded um, Mm -hmm. because they didn't see um, uh, an exodus towards the doors. People were like, I am glad I work here. Mm -hmm. I know my hours. I'm not subjected um, to difficult patient care. Uh, my bosses don't micromanage me. Um, as the cost of things get more expensive, I have a stable um, income. And um, 
we were certainly, I hope, in that latter bucket to where um, this this was an alignment for some people, but it was it was um, uh, a re reaffirmation that we're doing things the right way here at Nadora. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that we talked about earlier was um, creating a supportive work environment. So, how should healthcare organizations as a whole? be reimagining their budget when it comes to providing employees with a supportive work environment, but also providing patients with high quality care. Yeah. I mean, you know, access to high quality care is obviously the most important thing. Um, everyone uh, believes in that. You can never lose sight of when a patient comes in. Um, and I can only use us as an example. When a patient comes in for a knee replacement, they need to have a perfect clinical outcome and um, they need to have a great uh, customer experience or patient experience from you know, the time they're checking at the front desk um, all the way to the time when you know, their global 90 is up and, and uh, they're moving on to PT. So that is obviously the most important thing at all times is uh, the patient experience and the patient outcome has to be perfect. Um, you can never do strive for less than that. Um, so that's really important. But, you know, you know, reimagining your budget to uh, provide employees with a supportive work environment. Um, you certainly can do things, uh, let's just, um, for the sake of argument, say you don't have to worry about the paycheck problem, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not you're not dealing with the capital crunch and all of your employees are compensated well. Um, that, that's the first thing you need to cover. But number two is, um, I would say benefits. Um, you know, we have mm-hmm. a pretty uh, creative benefits package here. It's not just um, healthcare, dental, vision, mm-hmm. um, and I won't go into all of it because it's, it's pr- proprietary, and that's mm-hmm. why we have great employees. But um, thinking about uh, non-traditional ways to compensate your employees uh, while they're at when they're choosing to spend their time with you, um, really, you know, we're we're exchanging something in exchange for their time. And that's really all it comes down to. Whether mm-hmm. it's cash, if we're bartering for, you know. Uh, uh, like it was the 1800s gold or goats or livestock or something, <laughs> you're still exchanging someone's time mm-hmm. for compensation. You can never lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And so um, having a great benefits package, like I said, outside of this health, vision, dental, getting creative on paid time off, mm-hmm. uh, can paid time off be used for, um, I don't know, cashing out is something that I see a lot of. Mm-hmm. Where if you save up 80 hours of you know PTO, you can cash it out at your hourly rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure you're bringing uh, not just in services for trainings at the jobs so that they feel confident in what they're doing in their department, but bringing in um, uh, I would say uh, mental health, mm-hmm. uh, physical health, massage, um, PT, mm-hmm. um, those sort of things into uh, your facility so that people can take a break at work or they mm-hmm. can have a perk at work. Um, those things are really important. Making sure that the facilities, as simple as that sounds, are safe. Um, people feel comfortable and secure um, mm-hmm. when they're at work. All of those things can go into re- reimagining your budget. Um, you know, employees are um, thinking about work. Maybe in in this new season that we're in, um, I would I would call it post pandemic. This is just mm-hmm. the world that we live in now. Um, how does work fit into my life holistically? Mm-hmm. And if if, um, if I'm being bugged after work, if I'm constantly being called in, if people are asking me to come to third shift when I work first shift, which isn't allowed, they're gonna 
they're going to think this, this work environment doesn't really think it care about me there. This work environment sees me as, you know, a unit of labor, uh, a production input output, um, number on an Excel sheet and they're going to quit. And so when you think about, uh, whether it's an MA, a CNA, a nurse, whatever it is, um, if your budget is stressing your workforce by being not right size, not maybe going through, uh, uh, HR, HR optimization processes, I would call lean engineering, but you don't want to cut staff. So I think that was the right word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where if you're not doing all of those things to constantly look at, do I need a patient ratio of one to one? Do I need a patient ratio of four to one in this area? Do I need a patient ratio of 10 to one in this area? Um, and you're just constantly taxing your staff and taking from them instead of mm-hmm. supporting uh, what they do with the right people, the right resources, um, and the right um, tools and environment to be successful, um, you're making a mistake. It might not come mm-hmm. to much right now, but they're going to have one eye out the door um, mm-hmm. and one foot out the door, and you're going to be caught on your heels mm-hmm. when they leave. So being able to get or strive towards perfect quality care, all of that that I just covered should mm-hmm. constantly be considered with HR, benefits, mm-hmm. payroll, um, you know, what the environment is like when they come to work. Um, does it look clean? Does it feel good? They have everything they need access to. All of that goes into having a supportive work environment. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I know everyone doesn't have a bunch of money laying around. I know it's tough mm-hmm. to be in healthcare with um, denials and not getting paid. And uh, depending on the type of system that you're in, um, sometimes, you know, uncompensated care is required depending on the type of facility that you have. Um, I understand people face those challenges, but um, we all have a budget. Mm-hmm. We all have to be creative. We all have to think of operational ways to um, increase quality of care while reevaluating the people who support us um, from a vendor standpoint, making sure we're getting the best deals so that we can pass those savings along through our employees um, to provide the best care possible to our patients. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, none of these answers, Amanda, are just black and white. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're complex. There are mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts working together. And, um, and, you know, I could go on all day about, mm-hmm. you know, what can you do mm-hmm. uh, to support your employees and make sure you have great care? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I like that question. I was actually looking forward to that one. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll pause there for you. No problem. No, I'm glad. Um, those examples, those benefits that you talked about, um, are those examples of things that Nadora is doing for its employees? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we do those sort of things. You know, not you shouldn't just be focused on nurses week or mm-hmm. CNAs week or PA week. That is, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year, mm-hmm. right? If they're just waiting for that one week um, when they know that, you know, a massage therapist is going to come in or we're going to bring in lunch, breakfast, mm-hmm. uh, people are going to be able to, you know, get an extra hour off. From, that, that's not enough. They live their whole year in, in your facility and you constantly have to be supporting them. So mm-hmm. um, we, we offer creative benefits like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, me personally, um, I'm constantly pushing for more. Mm-hmm. I know in our C-suite meetings, I am constantly coming up with ideas, which are always um, being considered because, um, you know, if we offer 3% match on a 401k, I want to say, hey, how can we get to six, mm-hmm. right? How can we get to a 6% match for employees because they'll mm-hmm. take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. If um, employees are married and they're electing their spouse's uh, benefit package, I say, 
why are they doing that instead of choosing ours? Not mm-hmm. not because we you know we don't make money if they choose our benefits package. We we spend more money if they choose our package. But is our package bad compared mm-hmm. to what their spouse is offering? Why is that one better? Should we be shopping around on our uh, benefits advisors? All of these things should be constantly brought up mm-hmm. when it's appropriate in your in your C-suite meetings to say. Um, if people aren't electing our benefits, maybe they're not that good. Maybe people don't see them as a benefits. Maybe people see them as an expense, right? They're just paying for a lesser quality uh, product than they can get elsewhere, either shopping on their own or uh, getting it through their uh, their spouse. And so mm-hmm. Nadora is constantly looking at, you know, do we need to offer this? Do we need to bring in this? Um, do we need to find a new broker who can offer us more creative solutions? Um constantly looking at that and something we're evaluating gotcha gotcha excellent um so when you think when you're thinking about the short term and it's kind of weird to say coming out of the pandemic because we are still in it but but coming out of the pandemic you know what strategies do you have in place at Nadora to 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 maintain its financial well-being yeah um you know, there's really no magic trick to mm-hmm. having good finances, Amanda. I think whether you're in your personal life or your professional life um, or the company you're running, um, you know, knowing what your numbers are is extremely important. So the first thing is, uh, you know, having a good uh, financial apparatus to see how much, uh, to keep it simple, you're spending, see how much you're making. It's, it really starts with that debits and credits. Um, are you bringing in 10 bucks and spending 12? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are, um, at least you know where your money is. So that's the first thing that I think uh, Nadora focuses on is um, how are our finances right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and are we stable? Are we in a good position? Do we have capital available to grow? Um, do we have an emergency fund? Should uh, a wall fall, fall down? I don't know if something mm-hmm. happens or you know, an ambulance run into a pillar and we have mm-hmm. to fix it. All those sort of things are being evaluated. Mm-hmm. Um, in the short term, you know, we want to make sure that all of the uh, product lines that we're offering, uh, we're a multi-specialty ASC, um, are performing well, that we have the right reimbursement contracts set up, and that um, we are operationally right-sized to support them. Um, that's number one in the short term. Um, number two in the short term is we also look at who's supplying. So if we have a implant supplier who provides great knees and our surgeons um, are love working with them, well, you know, when we meet with our surgeons, we also say, okay, you use vendor A, but did you use vendor B, vendor C, vendor D down the road? And they'll look at it and go, oh yeah, we like those. I like the grip on that. That one, uh, you know, the blader on that one looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will bring those to the team because um, everyone has uh, a stake in you know, how the provision of healthcare is performed in our company. And if there's an opportunity to, you know, shave $500 here mm-hmm. in every single procedure, because we know um, this reamer does the same job as this reamer over here and the surgeons like both, um, you know, we'll switch. Um, healthcare, in my opinion, mm-hmm. has so much gray area um, that money walks out the door yeah. all the time mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't walk out the door in 10 bucks it walks out the door in thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars if you're mm-hmm. not paying attention to it and so uh, for the short term it's knowing where your money's at knowing how much it costs to do it and number three 
um, constantly evaluating um, you know who you're working with do they provide the best quality product at the best price mm-hmm. um, and if if you are able to do those three or four things um, uh, you know um, you're gonna be okay in the quarter you're gonna be okay in the half year you're gonna be, be okay annually and uh, you'll be able to uh, continue to succeed so um, I was just trying to answer that in the short term since mm-hmm. that was the question, but that is how we look at it mm-hmm. kind of on a day-to-day and quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, what about long-term? Um, I enjoy long-term far more. That's where the <laughs> creative comes in. That's where you decide, are we going to expand here? Where are our target markets? Um, you know, what are we saving up for? Um, what are we financing? What type of terms can we get? Do we choose you know, debt financing? Do we take a loan? Who are we working with? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fun stuff, Amanda, in my opinion, is the long-term planning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy the heck out of it. So, you know, when you have that short-term plan, you can look at your finances day-to-day, by specialty, by division, department, and you can see, you know, how we're doing. Um, but when it comes to the long-term, um, I'd say maybe over five years, uh, since we're an ambulatory surgical center company, we make five-year plans. So we say, where do we want to be? <clears throat> what specialties do we want to add? What kind of utilization do we want to have of our OR time? Um, you know, how many surgeons do we need to support, to support the volume? Um, and based on how successful you are or the plan you have short-term, long-term is just a, a multiplication effect or a compounding effect of that short-term plan. So you can look and say, okay, if I take you know, four quarters and times it by you know four years, uh, I'm going to have X amount of dollars saved up. Or we project based on our growth goals or our reimbursement contracts that we're going to have you know Y amount of dollars left over. And so we can we can take a look at that picture and say, okay, what do we need to do with this money? Do we fix the awning? Our awning's fine. Uh, do we you know repave the, the parking lot? Mm-hmm. Do we buy a new machine? Um, all of those things mm-hmm. um, for me are really enjoyable. I think short-term planning, that short-term planning has to do more with, you know, how is the company going to operate? Are we going to be able to pay our bills? Are we going to stay open? Are we going to meet payroll? Mm-hmm. All, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the long-term planning is more of, um, not your wish list, but mm. where do you want to go? Like, what is your trajectory of the company? Because if you're taking care of the day-to-day, it frees up. Uh, your mind and your time and your ability as a team mm-hmm. to think about where the company wants to go. So um, for me, those are two different thinking strategies. Mm-hmm. You know, how much how much do I got to make today? How much do I have to spend today? And then where are we going? Uh, you know, what does the plan look like to achieve this goal at the end mm-hmm. of five years? And those are for me, those are two different types of thought processes. And um, I, I certainly enjoy the latter. It's, it's mm-hmm. it is a ton of fun. I love being creative in healthcare and working with our team to uh, achieve those goals. And um, um, I love long-term planning. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> so what advice would you give to another CFO, another healthcare CFO, who's struggling with maybe balancing the challenges they're facing on the workforce side of things, but also on the facility's overall financial well-being? Um, you know, vertically integrate as much as you can. I know that's more of a operational uh, advice, but CFOs have a ton of influence over operations, over mm-hmm. marketing, over uh, semi 
sterile storage. CFOs mm-hmm. are some of the most powerful people in the company, mm-hmm. um, if they choose to be. You know, you're not just counting and providing guidance to the CEO or the board about, um, you know, here's what our PNL is this month. Here's what you know we're our accrual is looking like. If you're just doing the job description, um, you should just be an accountant. I don't know how to say that's that's that might be a little tough, but it's the truth. Your mm-hmm. job is to provide strategy, steer the finances of the company, so that the CEO and the board and the chairman can take your advice and make better decisions moving forward. So uh, if, if a CFO is struggling with the challenges that are facing on the workforce and financial well-being, um, you know, if CFOs understand this, take out your pencil. You need to perform a time and motion study in every department. Mm-hmm. You need to review all the vendors that you're working with. You need to look at um, your headcount and make sure you're right size so that people get exactly the 40 hours that they're paying for mm-hmm. and um, you don't have people sitting around for eight hours a day um, when they should be working. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be able to look at capital strategies um, to maybe use debt financing or um, a loan to make up the difference and accelerate the growth and then you can project okay, if I take this money, invest it here and do this, I'll see this sort of uh, yield on it and I can pay back the money I've lost and, and fix the deficit that we're having. Um, all of these things go into uh, a CFO's job, in my opinion. And, you know, how you're investing the money, if, the, if your organization has money left over, where can you see the greatest return? Um, you know, savings is important, um, but can you deploy that capital elsewhere to create additional revenue. Those are the sort of suggestions that a CFO should be making uh, to, to, I'll just say the leadership so I don't keep repeating the same three people um, because your job is so much more important than just how much money do we bring in, how much are we spending, here's the report. Um, CFOs, in my opinion, had an extremely tough job over the last two years and thinking about, you know, how do I stop acting like the bank. A lot of hospitals function as a bank. They finance the the surgery or the care um, without being compensated. How can I get that down, right? How how can we use um, insurance or commercial coverage to be the bank instead of us? Mm -hmm. Our job is to provide the care and get paid for it. Um, How do you uh, stand up maybe lines of credit to provide uh, the capital you need to fix uh, some of the challenges that you're facing? Those are important. Um, who do I talk to in you know network contracting to see if we need additional carve outs mm-hmm. um, to cover a lot of the procedures that we're seeing come through the door that we hadn't previously uh, been carved out for um, all of those things go into the job and mm-hmm. it's not just oh, what am I struggling with and you know how, how do I provide a report that's extremely short-sighted so um, my advice to the CFOs would be Think about your role in terms of not just uh, the purse strings, but um, you have an influence in every single department, and your job is to make all those departments better, not just on paper, Mm -hmm. um, because the company needs you to do it. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, it was a pleasure having you join us today, Nick, and thank you all for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.